Hello, I'm Chris Kreitchow, and this is Neurostation, a show about the Rust programming language and the people who use it. This is a bonus episode on burnout. For today's episode, I'm going to do something slightly different than usual. All the sponsors and show notes stuff will be up front in the next roughly two minutes. After that, I'm going to talk about burnout and my experience of it. And there's no script today. My hope is that hearing me talk about it and talk about it off script will help someone out there at some point who's going through burnout themselves. So let's talk sponsors. First, Parity Technologies is sponsoring this week's episode again because they do want to hire you. Parity is advancing the state of the art in decentralized technology. Their flagship software is the Parity Ethereum client, but they're also building cutting edge tech in areas like WebAssembly and peer to peer networking. Their next big project is Polkadot, which is a platform leveraging blockchain for scaling and interop in decentralized systems. And Parity uses Rust for its trifecta of safety, speed, and correctness. If that sounds interesting, check them out. Look at their jobs at paritytech.io slash jobs. Thanks again to Parity. Second, thanks to everyone who sponsors the show on Patreon. As of the time I'm recording this, there are 100 of you sponsoring right now, and I find that particularly amazing, and it has been particularly encouraging in the midst of the burnout I've been experiencing. This month's $10 or more sponsors included Ryan Osiel, Anthony Deschamps, Peter Tillemans, Nicholas Pochet, Marshall Clyburn, Martin Huschober, Matt Rutter, Paul Naranja, Olushei Shonaya, Hans Fjallamark, Dan Abrams, Michael McDonnell, Nathan Scully, Rob Chuk, John Rudnick, Daniel Collin, Daniel Mason, Ramon Buckland, Yor Wanborg, Chip, Graham Willidall, Alexander Payne, Benham Esfabode, Rafe Levine, Aaron Turan, Nick Stevens, Zachary Snyder, and Chris Palmer. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can set up ongoing support at patreon.com slash neurastation, or you can give a one-off at any of a number of other services. Those are all listed at neurastation.com. The website also has scripts and code samples for most of the teaching episodes, along with transcripts for many of the interviews. Someday I hope to have them all, along with full show notes for every episode. Notes for this episode are at neurastation.com slash show underscore notes slash bonus slash burnout. If you're enjoying Neurostation, please help others find it. You can tell them about it in person. You can share it on social media. You can rate and review it in your favorite podcast directory. However you do it, I appreciate it. The show's on Twitter at Neurostation, and I'm there at Chris Kreitcho. Do send me news, topic ideas, and so on. Also, I enjoy your responses on the Rust user forums, Reddit, and Hacker News, and especially when you send me an email at hello at Neurostation.com. Okay. So let's talk about burnout. And this is going to be a little bit of a hard episode because I'm going through burnout and burnout is awful. Uh, I will probably not break down sobbing in the middle of recording this episode, but it could happen. It has happened to me a fair number of times in the last roughly three months since I really started feeling burnout badly. I want to start by saying what burnout isn't. Burnout isn't just feeling a little frustrated with your job. Burnout isn't just feeling a bit stressed. I've been there before, and I've even asked friends before, what is what is burnout when I was feeling particularly stressed? And I can tell you, those things count and they matter. But burnout is, burnout is its own difficult, different thing. I found the Mayo Clinic guidelines here helpful. They give you some idea of 
diagnostic signals for if you might be experiencing burnout, not just stress. And I'll talk in a minute about their definition of burnout as well. I think it's helpful, but incomplete. The Mayo Clinic asks these questions. There are eight of them. Some of them you'll think, well, yeah, everybody's experiencing one of those. And I think that's basically right. Most of us are experiencing some of these things. And I've talked a bit on my other podcast, Winning Slowly, about the nature of work. I encourage you to check out some of those episodes. But it is not any one of these that is the signal. It is a combination of multiple of them. The questions the Mayo Clinic asks, have you become cynical or critical at work? Do you drag yourself to work and have trouble getting started once you arrive? Have you become irritable or impatient with coworkers, customers, or clients? Do you lack the energy to be consistently productive? Do you lack satisfaction from your achievements? Do you feel disillusioned about your job? Are you using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or to simply not feel? Have your sleep habits or appetite changed? Are you troubled by unexplained headaches, backaches, or other physical complaints? Many of us experience one or two of those things on a semi-regular basis. They're part of work as we experience it. Being cynical or critical, it can happen to any of us. Lacking energy from time to time, it can happen to any of us. When you have a bunch of those, though, something else might be going on. And this was one of the signals for me that something else was going on. Because, well, I was feeling almost all of those. Back in late May and early June, when I first diagnosed this in myself, six out of those eight, and since then, seven. I'm not using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or simply not feel, and I'm very careful about doing that. I've watched people go down that road, and I would really prefer never to go down that road. It's a bad thing, but it's also very tempting and very dangerous. So seven out of the eight, I'm, I'm probably experiencing some burnout. Mayo calls burnout a special type of job stress, and that can be right, but I also think that burnout can happen in a lot of different contexts for a lot of different reasons. We normally talk about it in the context of burnout, and a lot of times for many of us, in no small part because of the scale that professional life and work have taken in our lives in modernity, late modernity, our jobs are the places where we're probably most likely to experience burnout on a day-to-day -day basis. They're probably the places we're most likely to have the stresses that can cause it. And it's probably our job that is most likely to trigger it. But the triggers aren't just job-related, though they are often job-related. And the stresses in our lives that contribute to burnout aren't just job-related. Burnout is kind of like depression, but it's not exactly the same. I have a very close family member who has dealt with depression for a decade now. And watching that family member versus observing myself, I am, as I sometimes joke with my wife, hypermetacognitive. I am very often overly, I would say, aware of my own mental states. Some of you may be that way as well. But I've, I've watched, and what I've experienced is like depression, but it's not exactly the same as depression. It includes perhaps some depressive tendencies, those lack of motivation, the lack of energy, the particular disillusionment about particular things in life. But it's not so much, I don't want to do anything. It is much more, I don't want to do these very specific things. 
The reason I distinguished it from merely job-related causes is that people experience burnout in non-quote-unquote job scenarios. Caregivers, people who are giving extended personal care to family members with chronic illnesses, for example, may experience serious burnout in that context, even if they have a job of its own. And that may end up impacting the job. Certainly for me, some of the triggers have included things in my personal life. A number of you who've listened to the show along the way will know, because I've not been shy about it, that my dad was diagnosed with a very serious brain tumor a little less than a year ago, just after my family and I moved across the country, happily to be close to my mom and my dad. He's doing well, but walking your father through very serious brain tumor treatment is incredibly stressful. And it is one of the most significant parts of my experience of burnout, even as it relates to my job, frankly, even as it relates to producing this podcast. Those things don't seem related, but it turns out that human beings aren't somehow cleanly separable things where we can totally compartmentalize our professional lives and our personal lives. And in fact, the very idea that we could is extremely sick and wrong. No, our personal lives and our professional lives are inherently intertwined and tangled, and that is to the good. And insofar as certain parts of industrial life push us away from that, I think those are themselves very bad things. Again, I've talked more about these sorts of things on my other podcast. There are a lot of job-related triggers, and if you want to go ahead and expand these kinds of things out beyond job life, as I've suggested we should, it's not hard to see how you would. And it's not hard to see how these kinds of things could come into play and at times in much worse ways in non-career contexts. So Mayo Clinic suggests lack of control, unclear job expectations, dysfunctional workplace dynamics like bad relationships, mismatch in values, poor job fit. Extremes of activity, you go, you either are bored or you are way overburdened, or sometimes you go from the one to the other. A lack of social support in your personal life, work-life imbalance. I add to those the kinds of things I outlined it, long-term stresses in personal or family life, like your dad getting a brain tumor or being a long-term caregiver for someone. And then if you have long-term stresses building up from those kinds of things, whether professional, personal, or as I indicated a minute ago, in reality, always both, specific triggers can take, I'm feeling really stressed, to burnout. And well, that list of symptoms that Mayo Clinic gave you earlier that I read out loud a few minutes ago starts to look like the difference between the two. So over the last three months, things I've experienced, stomach aches from stress at work, I've never experienced this in my life, but when I'm getting stressed by things at work, I'm now experiencing pretty sharp stomach aches. When I go to sleep, I am now very actively dreaming, waking up multiple times in the middle of the night, struggling to fall back asleep when I do wake up in the middle of the night, and needing more sleep. For most of my adult life, I've needed about seven and a half hours of sleep. Currently, I'm sleeping eight and a half to nine hours every single night and needing that just to be functional the rest of the day. My job disillusionment has been pretty severe. I've 
literally had days where getting out of bed and going to work felt nearly impossible. I have struggled very hard and have thankfully been able to work hard with my manager to let me know back channel when I'm starting to do this, not to be cynical, not to be hypercritical. I am barely able to get through the week sometimes. And the things that I am accomplishing, things that might have really given me some joy a year ago, I'm not. I'm just that much more frustrated even that I had to do them. Uh, I've got headaches almost every day. I have backaches almost every day. Like I said, it's the whole list. I find myself, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, breaking down crying over sometimes actual triggers, but sometimes not. A month, month and a half ago, my family and I pulled up at church one morning and I just started crying and nothing was upsetting me, but I was crying and I could not stop crying for about three or four minutes and there was no reason, but it was massive amounts of emotion. I have had days where somebody at work would say something that was mildly frustrating that another day I'd have just rolled my eyes at and made a joke about via text message to a friend or something to just blow it off. And I was reduced to either borderline rage, which is kind of scary itself, or fits of sobbing that would take minutes to subside. These things aren't normal. These things are not normal for me, but frankly, they're just not really normal for anyone. This is burnout. Example of how burnout can be. Just talking about all of that, I did, in fact, almost start crying when I started talking about crying. (laughs) And that's a very real phenomenon that I find myself experiencing, too. It gets worse if you don't deal with it. Some of the symptoms of this have probably been around for me since relatively early this year. I ended up having a lot of stressors this year, and then I had a couple specific triggers that pushed me over the edge in April and May. And I tried as hard as I could to mitigate the burnout, but there are certain factors that just haven't changed. I've pulled a lot of levers. I've been doing some of the things I'll talk about in a minute that are good ways to help, but... My job, for example, there have been specific unusual stressors in my job over the last month in particular, over the last three months in general that haven't always been there. And I I can't just flip a lever and change those, and they haven't gone away. And obviously, we can always pull the go find another job thing. I'll talk in some other episode perhaps about what I think about the quit your job standard advice that gets thrown around in our industry. But that hasn't been my go-to option, in part because there are projects and people I care about at my job. I've done my best to mitigate it, but I haven't necessarily done everything I should to head this off. So let's talk about the things that you should do if you're starting to experience burnout, whatever the reasons are. The first thing I'll say is you're not going to be able to handle this by yourself. and. I believe very deeply that humans are meant to be communal, meant to live life in ways that involve other people. The challenge to that is that sometimes the people around us are the source of the burnout. My dad, through no fault of his own, got a brain tumor. (laughs) Through no fault of his own, had to walk through a brain tumor. And there's been stress there. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. 
I couldn't give that up if I wanted to. He's my dad. I love him. I'm going to stick by him thick and thin. And my dad's a great dad. I am incredibly blessed to have him as a dad. And I'm really grateful that this treatment plan that he's gone through over the last eight, nine, ten months now has been really successful. But it's been a stressor. And I can't just flip that switch off. It doesn't go away no matter how much I want it to. So flip switches in your life that you can but also recognizing that you can't, we have to compensate and adjust using the other levers that we have insofar as we can. One of them really is sleep and rest more generally. I think especially in America, I can't speak for those of you in my international audience as well, but I've seen this in a lot of different places in America now. We take our work very, very seriously and we tend to mentally and emotionally, and sometimes actually as well. I shouldn't say actually there. And sometimes physically as well, to take our work home with us, that even when we step away from our work at the end of the day, we let it continue to burden us mentally. We let the things that are stressing us at work continue to stress us. Also, most of us don't take enough real time of rest over the weekends. We often live for the weekends, but we often don't really rest. And I think the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible idea of Sabbath, of having a day a week where you're not allowed to work, but you must rest, is actually a really deeply wise thing. I've tried to practice that for a long time, but also I've found myself tempted over the years to work on new Rustation episodes on my quote-unquote day of rest. And eventually that takes a toll. Eventually we hit a point where our bodies simply rebel. They let us know, hey, you're not resting. You're not sleeping enough. You're not taking real days off. You're just continuing to press your face to the grinder and, well, it has consequences. There are all those consequences I outlined above. So we need to sleep. We need to not overwork. We need to put boundaries on the amount of time we work, but also the amount we allow ourselves to think about and feel about work. And that seems very difficult to many of us. Most of us don't have the kinds of mental and emotional disciplines built up. And I think disciplines is the right description there to be able to shut that off and walk away mentally and emotionally. Things that help us do that well. I mentioned a few minutes ago that we're very social. I think we're designed that way. I think we're social creatures, and that's good and right. We're communal creatures, and that's good and right. And one of the most helpful things in the world for not thinking about work is just being with friends, having a great time, because you're thinking about the things you're having a great time doing with your friends. And if you start getting sucked back into it, if you have good friends, be very grateful for them, for one thing. Be and for another, they can tell you, hey, don't get lost in that. Get back here. We're, we're having a good time. Come on, stay with us. And that's really good for us. Family, likewise, if you have healthy family relationships. And I recognize that not all of us do. I'm very grateful that I largely do. But find those kinds of things if you possibly can whether that's a church or a community club or the people you hang out with at your meetup, whatever it is, find people that you can live life with because you need them and you won't get through burnout very well without them. You need to exercise. I am 
fairly well convinced, given some of the stressors I'm aware of in my life over the last decade, that one of the reasons that burnout didn't hit me until I was 31 and had some very specific personal life and work triggers is that I have been very diligent to exercise. I have been running somewhere between four and six times a week, every week, pretty much without fail for the last nine years. And that really makes a big difference. I do strength training in my basement. I go for runs. I walk throughout the day. I get out of my chair. I take walks with my family at night. And it is difficult to overstate the extent to which exercise helps. It's not going to be a magic switch that you can flip and suddenly burnout's gone. But it will help. It will mitigate. It will reduce some of the other risks from it. It will be a way that your body expiates stress. And that's incredibly important because burnout is your body experiencing and ultimately revolting from stress. It is a symptom of stress expressed physically and emotionally. Exercise is a form of stress expiation, and I very much commend it to you. It doesn't have to look like what I do. A lot of people hate running. I don't blame people. I happen to love it, but that's not everybody. Maybe it's cycling. Maybe it's CrossFit. Maybe it's rock climbing. It doesn't really matter what it is. Find a way to expiate stress by exercise and activity. The last thing I'll say is... Sometimes you need to go talk to a counselor. Sometimes you might need medication to help your body get reset. We are not our minds alone. We are not merely mental beings. Our minds and our bodies are intricately connected in ways that are mysterious, in ways that the metaphysics of which get very interesting. I'm not a materialist. I am, as many of you know, a classically orthodox Christian, and my metaphysics flow out of that. But as part of that, I think that my mind and my body interact with each other in really important ways. And that means that to address this, you need to go see a counselor. I need to go see a counselor to help me deal mentally effectively with this. But it's entirely possible, and this is a possibility I am committed to exploring if a counselor recommends it, that some medication would help, that the stresses on my body may be helped by some treatment that helps my brain do the things it ought to, that helps my body manufacture the kinds of chemicals that it ought to, that get out of whack because of stress. None of these things by themselves are likely to solve the problem. In reality, just as there are a swath of symptoms that describe the problem, it takes the confluence of many of these things to help mitigate and more than mitigate to help us heal from burnout. And I don't know what the end of my journey with burnout looks like yet. I'm pulling lots of levers in my life right now to see if this helps and that helps and this other thing helps. I have good friends and good family who are helping me get through this. I am taking it easy on the podcasting front and the open source front as much as I can. I'm going to be going and seeing a counselor. I may be ending up taking some medication and all of those things are okay. But at the end of the day, I have to do those things because I am stressed. (laughs) 
I am so very deeply stressed. And I hope that if you're out there and you're feeling those things, you'll know, number one, you're not alone. Number two, you're not crazy. Number three, no matter how weird the games your mind plays in response to this and how strange the responses your body has in response to this, it's not something that you can't recover from. Lots of people recover from burnout. Most most people get better. We have to learn what to do in response. We have to learn not to pour too much self-worth into our jobs or into our caregiving. We have to learn how to take real rests if the things that we deal with can't be removed from our lives. We have to be healthy in every way that we can. But sometimes we're still going to experience it. If you looked at my life before burnout hit, in a lot of ways, you might say, yeah, I could see how that could happen to him. But he's doing all the right things, and he seems to be okay. And then one day I wasn't. And I'm not okay again yet. And it's okay. There will come a day when I will be okay again, and I look forward to that day. But in the meantime, you're not alone. And... There is help out there and you can get it. I will, so far as I can, be a resource to anybody. You can email me at hello at neurostation.com and I'll happily email you back. <laughs> Given the burnout, I won't promise that I'll email you back the same hour or the same day or even the same week, but I will email you back at some point. And I really encourage you, go get help. Get your friends and family involved if you have friends and family who love you. Don't overwork yourself, get good sleep, get in exercise, spend time doing anything but whatever it is that is so draining in your life. Figure out how to make it happen. Go see a counselor, get medication if you need to. That's really all I have to say about burnout at this point. I'll be blogging about it as I have been so far already at chriscrycho.com slash burnout. You can just follow it along there. There's an RSS feed for that if you want to check it out. I'm not done with this show by a long shot. I still have most of a draft of an episode on unsafe and most of a draft of an episode on converting code from TypeScript to Rust and some of the weird things that come up. And hopefully those will be out soon. But in the meantime, Godspeed. I wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those of you who've been very supportive when I've talked about my burnout publicly in the past. And, well, happy coding. And I hope that for all of you out there, as it has not so much been for me of late, it is indeed happy coding. 